0: Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment you'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's word is delivered through creative, humorous and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Get ready as Pastor Jim shares in his series, Do You Even Lift Bro? Life Lessons from a Biblical Bodybuilder. Now, please, if you're ever in our area, we want you to be our special guest. You can go to joychurch.net for service times and events.
1: We began a series last weekend, and I love this title. This just makes my day just come over the title, Do You Even Lift, Bro? Don't you love that? Isn't that a fun title right off the bat? Love the subtitle, Life Lessons from a Biblical Bodybuilder. We've been talking, and you began talking last weekend about life lessons that apply to us today from the life of Samson. And I love these truths now, and I, I relate totally to all of this because I grew up Starting at about 15, I've always been heavy into lifting and heavy into calisthenics. Now that I'm 54, I'm doing more calisthenics, more body movement, you know, just better for joints and so forth. And, man, I can do all kinds of crazy things. I'm always doing all kinds of crazy things. I'm into it. I'm into being in good shape and all that, just taking care of God's temple. And and I'm just, it's something that I enjoy. I've been doing it uh, for a long time. And when I first started seriously lifting, I used to be a lot, lot bigger. Before I got saved, I was checking IDs at a bar. I was a big old guy with a horrible temper. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. I can tell you that right now. But, I mean, I just, at at the time, I remember uh, when I was in Knoxville, before I gave my life to the Lord, I was a part of a real hardcore gym called Doc's Gym. And, I mean, it was like I told you last weekend, not uh, one of these gyms where you got chandeliers and, you know, yoga mats and all this. I mean, it was hard floor and weights and a lot of knuckleheads. I told you last weekend, you could literally go into the restroom at certain times and you find syringes because there were so many people shooting up steroids. And that was just Miss Han. <laughs> Those of you who are visiting here, we're honored to have you. I'm just making a joke. This is a wonderful woman. And so it's just a hardcore thing. And I remember, you know, every gym always has, and, you know, Ty, he gets this. Every every gym always has kind of stereotypical folk. You know, there was this one guy, I remember his name, his name was Tommy. And he was the gym, uh, I don't really want to say encourager, uh, but he was just this guy that would always come alongside of you. And he was not my workout partner. I would never work out with a guy like this. Uh, But he would always be one of these guys that if he knew you and you're in the middle of a set, And, you know, sometimes even if you're just warming up, he would come next to you and shout, come on, dude, you can do it. And the whole gym would stop and look at what Tommy was doing. you're just like, oh, geez, Tommy, would you just shut up and would you just walk away from me, please? And you know, how many know what I'm talking about? How many know what Tommy? How many are sitting next to Tommy right now so you don't want to raise your hand? Right now he's going, come on, dude, raise your hand. You can do it. And then I did have a workout partner by the name of Walt, and I, and I remember him very well. He did work out with me. We worked out together regularly. Uh, I'm 6'2". Walt uh, was about 4'11", or five foot. <laughs> and I'm not joking. He was really, really, really one of those short bodybuilder guys, and he was short, but he was a brick house. I mean, he was just a fire plug. No, no fat, huge chest, huge arms, uh, just huge except for body. (laughs) He was just about this high, but one of those, you know, little fireplug kind of dudes. And and because he had this giant barrel chest and big old arms as far as, you know, length around, but as as far as length, he had alligator arms. You know what I'm talking about? You know, like, a little Tyrannosaurus Rex kind of thing. And so because of that, big old arms and big barrel chest, he could bench press way over 500 because all he'd have to do was do this. And so I'd be like, he'd watch this. Pa-. He wouldn't call me pastor. Watch this, Jim. <laughs> I was just a sinner. Watch this, sinner. <laughs> and, he'd, and he'd do f- well over 500 pounds. And I'd be like, Walt, who cares? you got to move that half a centimeter. That ain't nothing. Try ha-. i got big old monkey arms. I mean, if I'm not cautious while I'm preaching, my knuckles will drag on the ground. Right? So I've got to move my eye thing a real long way so I can't do as much weight as him. So I'd be like, oh, come on. And that's how I grew up in that whole kind of environment. So I get it. This guy, I'm not sure if he even lifts, bro. Check it out.
0: Dude, call a plumber because these pipes are about to burst. Whoa, 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 son. Hey, ho! You got a sewing machine? You know how to sew, don't you? You know how to sew? Because I'm ripped. Come on. Whoa! Come on. Hey, come am over, I'm over. Hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me. Come on, come on, come on. Oh. Woo, hey. That was a good workout, wasn't it? Hey, what's your name? Susan? You could call me Mr. Dictionary. Why? Because of all the definition? Come on, come on, come on.
1: Ah, come on, come on, come on. I don't think that guy lifts. I don't think he lifts. I don't really think he does. We have been in the book of Judges looking at Samson, Judges 14, 15, and 16, particularly 16 last weekend. My homework assignment to you is check those chapters out, Judges 14, 15, and 16. Won't have time to look at them today because of all that we need to get to. But in Judges chapter 14, you remember we talked about last weekend where Samson killed that lion with his bare hands. And we talked about in Judges chapter 15, where Samson killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And then jumps into chapter 16, at the end of 15, uh, here's Samson as the ruler of the nation of Israel for about 20 years, and then it jumps into 16, and all of a sudden we find Samson visiting a prostitute. His wife and his father-in-law had died, they'd been dead for about 20 years, and he was empty on the inside, and so here he comes and in Judges 16, and he's really beginning to walk away from the Lord, and there, after visiting the prostitute, he goes out to a place in Judges 16 and verse 4 called Sorek. Sorek, we discover, was a vineyard. We discover that Samson had taken what was called a Nazarite vow, and that was interesting because in a Nazarite vow, you could not cut your hair, and you could not drink wine, And so, therefore, here's Samson in this vineyard, not drinking wine, not actually breaking the vow, but yet a guy who had taken the vow of drinking no wine, how we know he was in a losing position in a vineyard. And that's where he met Delilah. And then after that, you walk through the various temptations where the Philistines talked to Elias and said, Now, see if you can't find the secret to his strength. And she went through all kinds of uh, different gyrations to discover what that was. And finally, it was discovered, and they cut his hair. And you know the rest of the story. He went out to fight the Philistines and didn't know that his strength was gone. And then they took him and enslaved him. And then they literally plucked out his eyes from the very root and they, they enslaved him. And then he was just grinding. You remember that? And the people came out to watch him and make fun of them. And then in Judges chapter 16, 28 through 30, there at the very end of his life, he grabs those two pillars, knocks them down, and thousands of Philistines are killed at the end of his life. And from those verses, we began to take life lessons from a biblical bodybuilder that apply to you and I today. Pearls of wisdom that you and I can live out on Monday. Let's go ahead and review, and we'll jump into new territory. I think this is going to help you in a big way. First lesson we discovered last time was God doesn't call greatness from greatness. God calls greatness from weakness. I really felt like I blew over a holy cow last weekend because even though we're calling this life lessons from a biblical bodybuilder, we discover from the word of God that there's nowhere in the Bible where you can find that Samson had great muscles. Matter of fact, really the opposite is implied. If he had these big giant Arnold Schwarzenegger looking muscles, everybody would know the source of his strength. But because it was such a mystery and they were trying to discover it, I submit to you that Samson looked like a normal guy. But yet the spirit of God would come on him and he would perform supernatural feats of strength. That's good news for everybody in the house because God does not call greatness from greatness. God calls greatness from weakness. You remember the life point that really encapsulates that point? You remember this? Pretty simple. God will add his extra to your ordinary to create something extraordinary for him. Only my wife is excited about that. (laughs) Man, uh, that joy school, that's what that joy school is all about. You being par, giving God your ordinary. Let him put his extra on you, and you would be surprised what an extraordinary difference for God that you can make. Thank you for that golf clap this morning. Second thing we talked to you about last time was you can't win from a losing position. We just shared that with you. Samson met Delilah in a place called Sorek. It was a vineyard. How many know you can't win from a losing position? These two football players were in a losing position. Check it out.
0: Hey, Yeah, Tippy Doe. You know, if we don't pass this exam, we're not gonna to get to play in the big game. Oh, I plan on playing in that big game. I don't know if I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna fail. I help you out. I'm the smart one, remember? The last question here is fill in the blank. It says, Old McDonald had a blank. What did Old McDonald have? Was you dropped on your hand when you were a baby? Yeah. I could tell. Knocked the hair right off you. Old McDonald had a farm. Oh. Hey, Bojo. Yeah, Debido. How do you spell farm? Boy, your mama was drinking swamp water when you was born. Everybody know that farm is spelled E-I-E-I-O.
1: Oh, now that's, that's good. Come on, give our Acts of Joy team a big encouragement. <laughs> everybody know, everybody know, E-I-E-I-O. Man, I'm telling you right now, if I was not your pastor, I would go to your church. I love your church. I love your church. Now I told you, it's okay to laugh in church. Some of the visitors are still going, is that all right? Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. It's all right. You can't win from a losing position. I tell the story all the time. I didn't give my life to Jesus till I was 20. When I was 20, I was an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar. How many know that's not a good combination? I had one of the worst tempers you ever want to meet in your life. And, and also, that's a horrible combination, checking IDs at a bar. Horrible. Just horrible. And now we got all kinds of guys here at the church that are martial artists and, and boxers and, and all of this, and they're all the time, You know, not all the time. Many times they've asked me to come, Pastor, will you spar? Will you come and and, and, and all that? And I would love to do that, except for the fact that I used to have a really, really bad temper. And I hadn't lost my temper in decades. I said (laughs) I hadn't lost my temper in decades. But I plan on keeping it that way because I could go into the boxing ring and say, Okay, God, help me from keeping my temper. But I promise you, God will say to me, Son, you can't win from a losing position. Catches us up to date. You're ready for new territory. Here we go. More life lessons from a biblical bodybuilder. Here we go, and this is going to help everybody in the house. First one, you're not, this one here, you're not going to like too much, but it will help you tremendously. How many know, ladies and gentlemen, when you come to church, it can't be all cotton candy? How, how many know you need a little broccoli? How many know you need to be a regular Christian? How um, you many know, 1 John 3, 17, that God doesn't want you to shut up your bowels of compassion? I only have one man that likes those jokes, only one man. Number three, check it out. Here we go. Hidden lust, family bust, broken trust, major disgust. Now, it takes me a while to work on these kind of things so I can get it to where you can remember and to where it's palatable and understandable. But this was in the life of Samson. Now, before we just jump all over him, remember that he was married and he has, his wife was killed and he was without the touch of his wife for 20 years. So he was in a position where he was easily temptable. But I do want you to understand this truth is the case. Hidden lust, family bust, broken trust, and major disgust. That progression is still alive in the new covenant. You don't believe that? Let me update it. Two words, Tiger Woods. And I'm not busting on him. He needs Jesus just like I need Jesus. I'm just trying to give you that there's some modern-day examples of the same thing, people that have it made but yet can't control an area in their life, and all of a sudden you see that progression. Boy, that's really true. Let me give you a life point because you're not going to like this any better. Here we go. Watch this now. Lust blinds, lust binds, and then, of course, lust grinds. You can see that progression in the life of Samson. And boy, did it get quiet in this church. Trust me, by the end of this teaching session, you're going to be so happy. You're going to be so glad you came. Right now is the broccoli. We're going to get to dessert in a little bit, but how many know we need both? That's the progression. It really is true. Lust does blind. It does bind. It enslaves us. And then, of course, it grinds. It's very, very consequential. Let me give you three Samsonite statements. How many know with Samsonite comes a lot of luggage, a lot of baggage? Thank you. Statement number one: It's just a little porn. Oh I'm gonna stand here until you look at me. <laughs> everybody, everybody looking down like that. <laughs> Thibodeau, Thibodeau, Boudreaux. Number two: Check it out. Everybody's doing it. I mean, it looks like it's cool on all of the sitcoms. Number three: I can control it. Now, guys. Gals, everybody in the house, listen to me. we got to talk about this. We can't learn this from bathroom walls. How many know another man's pain can be our wisdom? I'd rather learn this from Samson than go through this myself. And if you're going through it right now, I'm telling you, there's freedom in the Lord. you got to know that. Let me talk to you a little bit about this because let me talk to you about sin. Let me give you four sin insinuations so that you really understand the price that That's out there as far as Samson is concerned and so that we don't have to pay the same price. Number one, check it out. Kill sin while it's little little, or it will grow up to enslave you. There's a scripture. We won't go to it now. I want you to check it out when you get a chance. Psalms 137, 8 and 9. It's really not a very happy scripture. (laughs) And really, really pretty powerful, but not very happy. Matter of fact, you got it. Why don't you go ahead and put it up? They won't believe me that it's in there anyway. You got it? Put that up there. Psalms 137, 8 and 9. O daughter of Babylon, doesn't start out so bad. Babylon was the ultimate enemy of Israel, who art to be destroyed. Happy shall he be that rewards thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dashes thy little ones against the stones. He's talking about the infants of Babylon. Listen to me very closely. That sounds pretty awful. How many glad you live in the new covenant? How many glad you're under grace? Me too. I can tell you that. But listen to me. Here's the principle. If you don't defeat these enemies of Babylon when they are little, they will grow up and enslave you. It is really an old covenant type and shadow of sin. If we don't handle this while it's little, while that snowballs up at the top of the hill... Once it gets rolling and gets some momentum and carries some steam, it's very, very difficult to stop that thing. Very, very difficult. We get buried underneath the weight of it. Now, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this so that you can see. My wife and I, we're very big on stopping this kind of thing when it's little because we understand this principle in a big way. How, how, this is, how many out there, you're a guy? Raise your hand. How, how, how many out here, you're not sure you're considering what bathroom you may go in and target? Yeah. Okay, I couldn't resist. How many know I'm going to get an email from that? I'm going to get an email. Mm -hmm. How many know I don't care? I don't care. care. I've been doing this 31 years. I don't care. I don't care. I really don't. I'm not afraid. Uh, I I just love Jesus. Hi. Good to see you. So, you know, you're a guy. So, you know something that I know. And if you're a guy in here, you you know this, and you know this to be a fact. I've got a... I've got a niece. I've got one boy. She's, he's 13. I've got a niece. She's 20-something, and she's in a ministry in Colorado. And I told her this. She's a pretty young lady and Christian gal, loves Jesus with all her heart, has been serving the Lord for quite some time. I told her this when she was 16. And, I, and, I, and this is, I think, a sound piece of advice to all of you women out there. I said, no, sweetheart, her name is Ashley. I said, I want you to remember this. It's powerful what I'm about to tell you. This will change your life. I said, remember this. Boys are scum. I got some women in the house clapping. Come on, write that down. Tweet that out to somebody, boys are scum. And, of course, I'm kidding, but I'm not. I really did tell her that. And I was half playing, but I was half serious. And the reason I know that is because I did not give my life to Jesus Christ until I was 20. And I promise you, you would have wanted to, wanted to keep me away from your daughter because I was scum. Now, because of Jesus, I'm redeemed pawn scum. I'm redeemed. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful for that. And there's a lot of wonderful men of God that are actual men of God and standing up for truth. And I thank God for every one of you. I'm just telling you that men, these are one of the battles that we fight. And, you know, that's just how it is. If is. I'm just so blessed. You know, I, I love my wife. We've been married 26 years. And I just happen to think that she's extremely beautiful. I really do. And I asked her if I could tell. And, you know, she's, she's older than you think she is. She's 49 years old. And she does not, she, how many, she doesn't look that. Um, now, I'm not even asking you guys, just not even asking you. Ladies, how many think that she's beautiful? <laughs> I think she's beautiful. And I think I did way better than I should have. And all of you ugly single men, that ought to give every one of you hope. <laughs> and I'm looking at you, and there's plenty of you here. And I know, man. I was the leader of the ring before I got married. Some of you ugly single men going, oh, praise God. But when you do that, don't lift your face towards God. That'll scare him. (laughs) She got up there going, oh, my gosh, what did I create down there? (laughs) Left that boy out in the rain too long. But no, I give you ugly men hope like it did me. I, I'm married out of my league. I outkick my coverage. I think my wife has just aged so gracefully, and I, I tell her that all the time. I just think she's lovely, and I'm very uh, attracted to her. I think she's beautiful. Uh, but and that's a positive. But the negative is, guys are scum. <laughs> and we can be at the mall, and to this day, and the woman's 49. And you know how guys are. Guys are just, you know. I, I, I mean, I, I watch guys. I watch guys with their wives and their kids. Checking out my wife. And if you're paying attention, you know it happens all the time. Because why? Say it with me. (laughs) Guys are scum. Write that down. I say that in love. I say it in love. But they do. You say, well, Pastor, when you see them checking your wife out, what do you do? Man, how many know beating up dudes in the mall is not good for church growth? (laughs) That is not good for church. And I don't think I couldn't do it. I could do it. But I don't do it. You can't do it. I'm, just, I'm just proud. I'm blessed. You know, I got a lovely wife. But guys are scum. But the problem with that is, see, now I'm 54, and she gets checked out all the time. I never get checked out. <laughs> I mean, never. I got to go to Walmart and buy something just to get checked out. <laughs> and don't think I won't do it, too, because I'll do it. So I got a fishing boat, and we're at the lake this last summer, and, and, and we're at the lake, and, and it's, it's our day off on Monday and, and sometime, you know, during the summer, and my wife's at the car, and I'm at the fishing boat doing something, and about uh, 100 yards, maybe more, out in the lake, there's a boat full of college girls, and they're checking me out. And they're and they and they're and they're moving toward and they're making noises, woo hoo, and all this kind of stuff. And the reason they're checking me out is because they were a hundred yards away. <laughs> it's just true story. See, because from, from here down I look like a young man, but from here up I look like an old catcher's man. <laughs> I, that's just that's the truth. I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. At least half of me's working. I'm glory to God. <laughs> and 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 so. And I mean, and so they're going, whoop, whoop, and all that, and making, and I'm like, all right now. This is, you know, because this don't happen. And then they get closer, and then they see it's a 50-something-year-old man, and you could tell the girls are going, oh God, oh no. <laughs> you could tell they're going to have, all have to go home and just take showers for 19 hours. I was flirting with my grandpa. Ew, ew. I was like, oh come on. Go back out hundred yards again. Go. So I told my wife, I said, honey, I said, I said, some girls, they were they were checking me out before they saw me, you know. They were checking me out, and she looked at me, go, she goes, finally, good for you. <laughs> now, we're real big on communicating with one another. All of our married lives, we've done that. If there's some sort of uh, flirtation that somebody's doing with us, we're, we talk about it. Because we remember this principle. You've got to stop this stuff while it's little. Or I promise you, it will grow up and enslave you. Now, you were laughing a minute ago. What happened? Number two, check it out. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Always does. Man, I'm just one cookie, just one cookie. We're just one cookie. How about the whole box? Number three, sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Isn't that true? Man, it did, it did with Samson. Samson was always just on the edge, always on the edge, not fully walking in integrity, not fully walking in, just always on the edge hang around the edge long enough, you're going to fall in. And then lastly, number four, check it out. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Sure did Samson, and it sure will us. We have fun, and and we should because I know it's kind of a heavy subject, but you know my story. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to help you. I was an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar. And when I started drinking when I was 15 years of age before I met Jesus, man, it was fun at first, totally fun. Bible says in Hebrews 11, sin is fun for a season. Don't lie to your kids. Sin is fun for a season. But when the sin is over, there's hell to pay, literally hell to pay. It's funny because when I was doing that at 15, it was fun at first, no problem at all, really no consequences at all, none. But the devil never showed me what was to come. Fast forward from 15 to 20. Now, all of a sudden, I'm 20 years old, totally hooked on alcohol. I mean I'd be drinking I'd be drinking pure grain alcohol from a still with the wood chips still in it. Devil never showed me that. Never showed me when I was bleeding up to 18 times a day internally because of the excessive alcohol consumption. It's funny he never showed me that. Never showed me in my own vomit. It's funny, he never showed me that. All he showed me was the cool commercials on television where all the good-looking people are drinking beer. People all over the world joining on the love train. That's all they ever showed me. And everybody's good-looking. Nobody's in their own vomit. Nobody's bleeding 18 times a day. Nobody. The devil in this culture will lie to you just like they did with Samson. Is it helping anybody? Can we talk real? Now, the broccoli is just about done. So, we're going to get on to more courses here. Next thing we need to know, ladies and gentlemen, number four, check it out. You can't be tempted where you are full. You can only be tempted where you are empty. I've been saying this a lot around here lately. such a powerful nugget. Samson was tempted because his love life with his wife, who had been dead now for 20 years, was empty. So, he was tempted. You remember Jesus. I remember Jesus. Matthew 4, 1 through 4, he went through the Mount of Temptation, and you know the first area of temptation where he was tempted. It was where he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and now he's hungry, and so what's the devil say? If you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. He is tempting him at his point of emptiness. You and I cannot be tempted where we're full. That's why it's imperative that we stay full with the Word and the Spirit of God. And if you're married, it's imperative that you fill your spouse's emotional tank on a regular basis. I do that all the time with my wife. I mean, look at me and look at her. Every day I'll say to her, honey, I want you to know I I love you. And listen to me, I'm not a flatterer, I'm an encourager, and I'm not a liar. I'll tell I'll tell her almost every day, honey, you look so pretty. You look so beautiful. She goes out. I see I work out of the home. She works here. Before you go, she goes out, I say, You look so pretty. I love you, honey. What am I doing? I'm making sure before she goes out, she's full. Because there's always people out there, well, you know, here's husbands. Well, I told her I love her when we got married. She ought to know 30 years later. She ought to know. She doesn't know. You need to tell her regular. Because I can tell you right now, if you don't, there's someone out there who will. And ladies, same to you. You say, no, not my husband. No one's going to tell him that. He's nasty. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be surprised how many girls like your nasty boy. You better fill his emotional tank. Man, men, you're in trouble because they didn't say nothing. They did not say nothing. I just watched one couple kiss. Good for you, two guys. Good for you. That's the way to do it. Boy, it's a grouchy crowd today. It's good. This is true. Can't be tempted where you're full, only tempted where you are. Empty. Let me give you six temptation truths. This is huge. Number one, check it out. The greatest sex organ in the body is the mind. Thanks for your silence. true. Uh, Listen, adultery doesn't start in the bed. It starts in the head. Second thing you need to know, check it out, the mind is fed through the eyes. Third thing you need to know is what you see produces thoughts. Fourth thing you need to know is, Thoughts produce feelings. Now, we hear this all the time. 31 years of ministry. My pastoral staff, they've been with me for years. We hear this all the time. Oh, pastor, I just couldn't help it. I just couldn't help it. I just, I just, I just fell out of love with him and fell into love with this guy. I just, I just I can't help my feelings. Who lied to you that way? Because that is an absolute cultural lie. We live in a society that worships their feelings. Now, I thank God for feelings. How many of you got feelings? You feel, you feel good about that? How many of God has feelings? I tell people all the time, let feelings in your car. Just don't let them in the driver's seat. You're not a feeling. You're a spirit created in God's image and likeness. Genesis 1:26, John 4:24. You're a spirit. You need to understand that. You got feelings. They're wonderful. But quit worshiping your feelings because if you do, sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. Me more than often, I feel like I'm not. You lost that love and... It never fails. I do this all the time in the church. Every time I do that song, there's always someone that will... Always. (laughs) Don't matter. As long as I do that, everyone... Might as well go ahead. Everybody in the house, ready? Man, that was really weak. (laughs) Really, really weak. Thoughts produce feelings. It is a lie that you cannot help your feelings. Let me show you number five. Feelings can be controlled by your words. They absolutely can. And then number six, this feeds into it. If you want to change your feelings, thoughts, or temptation, speak the word. Jesus said in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, three different times, it is written. We need to do the same thing when we're tempted. It is written. Listen, men, there is a difference between finding a woman attractive and allowing yourself to be attracted. There's no sin in finding some woman attractive. There is a sin if you're married to find, to allow yourself to be attracted. So if you find those feelings gravitating towards somebody, Change them through the word of the living God. You cannot help thoughts from coming. You can help thoughts from staying. You cannot stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can sure stop it from nesting there. Number five. There is nothing worse than a man who has lost his vision. Now, you know, with Samson, literally his eyes were plucked out from the very, very root. And now let me talk to everybody in the house. I promise you're going to get to good news. You in here, remember earlier I talked to you? You're a man in here. Raise your hand. You're a man. Come on. You're a husband. Raise your hand. All right. You're a dad. Raise your hand. Listen to me. Let me talk to you for just a minute. And I'm not going to beat on you. I'm not going to condemn you in any way, shape, or form, but I am going to challenge you, man. Listen, if you watch most, listen to me, please, if you watch most Christian television, you'll find, if you just look in the congregation next time you're watching Christian TV, it's about 75% women and 25% men, it, all, all, all over the world. Now, now, listen, I thank God for every woman in the house and every woman making a difference for the Lord. In Christ, Galatians 3.28, there's neither male nor female. I thank God for you. But here, if you look around, it's easily 50-50. If you're a single woman here, this is a great place to come to church. Your odds have greatly increased. It's 50-50, and I'll tell you why. Because your pastor is a man's man that loves God. And your pastor is a man's man that is a leader of his house. Not a dictator. I didn't say that, but a leader spiritually. And, men, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you to stand up and be a spiritual leader in your house. Come on. That's not old-fashioned. That's god fashion Be a spiritual leader. Initiate something spiritual. Don't just let the wife all the time... Come on now, honey, we got to go to church. Come on. Come on now, honey, we got to pray. Come on. And if if you haven't been that up to this point, I'm not condemning you. I'm just challenging you. That is the natural role of you in your household. And I'm telling you, there's nothing worse than a man that's lost his vision. I mean, if your whole life, men, consists of Pokemon, you're going to have to get a little bit more of a life. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I mean, if all you do is sit home and play, you know, uh, guns and video game, what is that thing? It's Call of Duty. And there's nothing wrong with Pokemon or Call of Duty. I'm just saying if that's your life, come on. (laughs) Clearly, we got a lot of Call of Duties in here right now. Uh, Howdy, (laughs) duty. You got to have more in a life than that. Listen, listen, this is very, Proverbs 29, 18. The Bible, the Bible says, the, without a vision, my people perish. The Hebrew reads, without a vision, we cast off restraint. You got to have a vision. Men, you got to have a vision. You got to say, honey, we're, 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 uh, we got to do, let's pray. I always, she knows, she, she knows. I always have a vision for what we're doing with the Lord. I always have a plan for what we're doing with the Lord. Uh, we have, our Monday is our day off. We have family devotions every Monday. And I always initiate it, even though sometimes, you know, we want to kind of play around. I say, no, we got to, come on, we got to do it. Even if it's late, we got to do it. Come on. And, men, you can do that. You say, Pastor, well, I don't know the Bible like you. I'm not a pastor. You don't have to. Just open up the book of John and read, put your finger on something and read something and talk about it. Take my points from the sermon, it's so easy, from the message and talk about it. Let's talk about And then we pray for one another. She prays for me. I pray for John. John prays for me, whatever. We have personal prayer requests that we pray about. It doesn't take long. It takes us 10 or 15 minutes. It's worth it every single time. Come on, men. The Bible calls your wife a helpmate. You realize that? And if you have no vision spiritually, then she has nothing to help. That's huge, what I just said. So, man, I'm not condemning you, but I am challenging you. And if you've been been wimpy up to this point spiritually, see, because a lot of times that's why churches are full of 75% women, 25% men, because men think Christianity is wimpy. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Your leader of this whole thing, Jesus Christ, he was the most man's man you ever want to meet. He was not this frail, emaciated, Richard Simmons-looking dude who walked around uh, the Galilee just skipping around going, oh, let me just hold a lamb and a child. <laughs> that's what people think, and that's thank- to movies where they got this little skinny, wimpy dude who weighs 120, dripping wet. You have a man's man who was a carpenter, and he worked with his hands, and he endured the cross physically, spiritually, yes, but physically. He's a man's man, someone that you men can look up to. And I'm going to tell you, it takes a real man to serve God. It doesn't take a real man just to check out all the chicks at the mall. That is good preaching. We've got policemen in here left and right. Big old I'm looking at Daniel back there. Big old policeman, big old guy. And they're all and they love God, man. We have more policemen per capita. It's cut down on this church. It's cut down on my illegal activities so bad, man. <laughs> had to stop all kind of things. There's nothing worse than a man who's lost a vision. Get it back today. Samson had no vision just got in that rut. Pokemon, 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 Pokemon. (laughs) Number six, if they can't get your roots, they can't get your fruit. You know, at the end of Samson's life, he was grinding, and, and the Bible says they'd shave his hair. But then watch this now. The Bible says his roots begin to grow back. Listen, you may be down right now, somebody in the house, but you still got roots. And remember his prayer? He said, Oh God, remember me. Just remember me one more time. Let my strength return to me one more time. That's the thing that I love about God. There's folks in the house you're going through some difficult times, but you still got roots. Right now you're here and you maybe feel far away from God, or maybe you've got a a child that's far away from God, but you taught them they still got roots. It's not over yet. This life point is huge. If you got a child away from God, check it out. There's a root in every prodigal that directs him back to his father's house. If your kids are out there right now and they are not serving God, you put roots in them. You believe God's going to speak to them through those roots. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, the root of the righteous shall not be removed. There are roots in Samson here, and they begin to grow back. Some of you here, it's been a long time, been out of church, away from God, but you still got roots. And that's why you're here today. Some of you bald men, that ought to be your prayer right there. That ought to be your prayer. (laughs) How many know there's three styles of hair that men have? Parted on the side, parted in the middle, and departed. (laughs) Tweet that out. Tweet that out. That's worth coming for right there. Pastor Dave, there's your verse for the day. There's a word from God. (laughs) Word from God. Number seven. And this is it. This is where we end up good and fun and wonderful. You learn anything today? Your end can be better than your beginning. You know this in Judges chapter 16, 28 through 30. I talked about it earlier. Here now his strength begins to return and a little boy he says to that little boy, direct me over to the pillars. And he gets up to those pillars and does the biggest isometric tie you ever wanted me. Man, he pushes that thing down and literally kills thousands of the Philistines in, in his death, far more than he did in all of his life. And that shows you that no matter how far you've gone, your end can be better than your beginning. I want you to know that. There's some of you in here that your dream has died. You feel like, wow, you know, I've been away from God for such a long time, or I'm thus and such age, or I've gone through this failure, or that's not worked, or the marriage hasn't worked. There's some of you here, many of you here, that some sort of dream in your life has died. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that God wants to resurrect that dream. He's not done with you yet. Yeah, but something something has died. Well, yeah, but Jesus is the resurrection. He said that in conjunction with Lazarus that I am the resurrection. In other words, Jesus can make alive our dead parts, our dead dreams. Man, I thank God for the Lord. It's not over yet. Just because something's died doesn't mean it's over. Jesus said in Revelation 1 and 18, I'm he that that was dead, and now I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys to death and hell. That's a literal meaning, of course, but a figurative meaning is: Listen, he has the key to unlock your dead parts, and you need to know that it's not over yet. You have a pastor. My life is not beautiful. Listen to me, Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse eleven. The Bible says, "In God's time, all things are made beautiful." Well, pastor, I have some really ugly things in my life. I know. I've been looking at you for a while. I know, and you've been looking at me. No, no, no. Listen. If there's some ugly areas in your life, it just means you're not on the right chapter yet. Book's not over. You may be on an ugly chapter right now, but it's not over. Anybody in the house like a story or a movie with a happy ending? I mean, like a sermon with a happy ending. <laughs> we're about there. We're about there. Listen, we all, there's something in us that likes that. I would say, well, we, we, last night we were flipping the channels, me and my wife, was a little bit later, and, and we came across. You, know, you ever see that movie, you know, not, and this is just regular television, but you ever see that movie, uh, Perfect Storm? Yeah. You know, I hate that movie. <laughs> the reason I hate that movie is my favorite movie. I hate it. You know why? Because it ends up bad. I don't like it. I don't like movies that end up. You might because you're a bummer, but I'm positive. Wow. I don't like people going down with the ship. I don't like losing. I was wanting them to be rescued. I was wanting to come up, and I was like, come on. And, then, and Yeah, but it's a true story. I don't care. Don't like it. <laughs> I want someone to fake the ending. I want it to end happy. <laughs> Lie about it. <laughs> Listen to me. Uh, everybody, every, you know if you search yourself deep down in you, there's something in you that wants a happy ending. That's why everybody in here likes Rocky. <laughs> Almost everybody, except for the Pharisees. The Pharisees don't like Rocky. You, you know, it's like, yeah. at the end, you know, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I love that. We like it when Arnold and, 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 and Sly, how many old enough to know who I'm talking about? Hey, man, at the end, they kill the bad guy. I like it when they kill the bad guy. And they win. I like the win. God put On the inside of mankind, that desire, we all like happy endings. And I want you to know, a lot of you in here, and your life is not good right now. And you say, oh, man, I got mess here, mess here, mess there. And I'm not preaching you some perfect Pollyanna nonsense. I'm not telling you life doesn't throw you storms. But I am telling you this. Your life's not over yet. And you may be on a really ugly chapter right now. But Ecclesiastes 3.11, in God's time. He makes all things beautiful. I can tell you that. He likes happy endings, too. And he wants your story to end up happy. God's not done with you yet. Proverbs 418, the Bible says the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. Can I paraphrase that? Better and better. Can I make it for you Watertown folks? Gooder and gooder. Whatever you like, brighter and brighter, better and better, and gooder and gooder. God likes happy endings. We are remembered for how we finish. Abraham tried to give away his wife, but he finished as the father of many nations. David committed adultery and had somebody killed, but he finished in Acts 13, 36 as a man after God's own heart. Samson made a mess of his life with all that lust and all of the bust and family disgust and major mistrust, all of that. But yet at the end of his life, he killed more of the enemy. God is not done with you yet. Pastor, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. And you're right, I don't know, but I got to test. Take your right hand. I want to show you right now if God is finished with you or not. Take your right hand. Come on, everybody. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to make you pledge allegiance. You don't know the words anyway. Put it over your heart. If your heart is still beating, God is not finished with you yet.